Hi everyone, this is Shail Dvorak and welcome to season three of the Crown Insider podcast. Today we are ta- tackling a subject that is quite controversial depending on your age. Is the upcoming Generation Z going to be more entitled than millennials? Now I would like to introduce our guest, Dr. Ken Castor, who is an associate professor of youth ministry at Crown, and John Brandon, who leads the content marketing team here at Crown College and also writes for Inc. Magazine and Fox News. So welcome, you guys. Hey, it's good to be here. Good to be here. John, you mentor students at Crown on a regular basis who are all Gen Z. What is your short response to the question of how entitled they are? <clears throat> so we're going we're gonna to just jump right into this. I'm huh? glad we're starting with you, yeah. John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the right answer. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, are they entitled? So I, I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding with generations sometimes that uh, when the generation is young, they have certain characteristics, and one of them is entitlement. And then the older people kind of sit around and talk about the younger people and whether they're entitled or not. Um, So just to kind of set that as the level playing field that I think young people are always entitled. So millennials were entitled when they were young. Hmm. Gen Z, they're entitled. I guess the question for us today would be, are, are they more entitled as young people than millennials were at the same age that they are now, which is basically 10 to 22, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so if we're having a little debate here about this topic, I'm on the <laughs> side that thinks that they are more entitled than millennials were at that age. And I will be happy to lay out all my reasoning why that is. So. <laughs> Oh, okay. Fascinating. What, wow. And all of my students just got angry. <laughs> <laughs> How Same dare you say that? Same with me. And we're more entitled. Than <laughs> so, Dr. Castor, what are your thoughts? Uh, I would I would agree with a lot of what John said. Um, every generation has exhibited a lot of selfishness where they think the world revolves around what they want or how they see the world. Um mm. I'm a Gen X person. John, you are too. Yes. And uh, so Gen X felt very entitled that nobody was paying attention to them. Shiel wasn't really sure that Gen X exists anymore, she was saying earlier. (laughs) Yeah, they've been... Oh, that was Olivia. Oh, that was Olivia. Yeah. okay. All right. She didn't... Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that, that actually fits because that's how Gen X feels, that, that nobody oh. noticed them. They were the smallest generation in 100 years in the United States. The boomers mm-hmm. were their parents. They were the largest generation. The X, Gen, Gen X comes along, and Gen X is overlooked, and they're filled with angst and grunge, and you know they've got a rage against the machine sort of thing. Um, but then boomers... Older boomers, or younger boomers, I guess, and Gen X had kids called the millennials, the me generation. Mm-hmm. And Gen X and boomers wanted to make it really easy for them, not, not to have to work as hard or not have to struggle or not have to fight against things. So me, millennials typically, this is the stereotype, grew in a fishbowl of the world revolving around them, and they should just get stuff. Their, their house should be nice. They should just get a car. People should just give them free things. Um, everything should happen fast. So, yes, they, millennials are very entitled, and it's not necessarily their fault. It's what their parents taught them. Hmm. And then come al- <laughs> Gen Z comes along. <laughs> the kids of X 
and millennials. Right. And it's almost like entitlement on steroids. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not Gen Z's fault. It's, it's what has been handed to them and taught to them. And so they might not know another way, except I think that they're sick and tired of it. And, and if they begin to discover that, that, oh, that's what I don't like. I don't like feeling entitled hmm. um, because that, it doesn't give a person self-worth mm-hmm. to feel entitled. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to explore that piece of it. So, yes, I think they are more entitled, but I think that we're coming to an end of the entitlement age, I hope. <laughs> and, uh, and I think there's a breakthrough coming. Neat. So before we get too far on the entitlement topic, let's talk about, uh, sorry. So before we get too far into the entitlement topic, let's set the stage a bit. Let's talk about defining this generation and what we know about them. So depending, I've seen a lot of different websites define Gen Z differently. Um, but depending on who you ask, Many of them are born between 1995 and 2012, so the oldest Gen Z are 24 right now. Most people think of Gen Z as anywhere from 10 to just graduating from college and getting jobs. A study at the American University said, this is a cautious generation, almost fearful for the future. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce Del- Deloitte. Deloitte. Uh, Deloitte did a study and found that 37% are worried that technology has caused problems in the interpersonal relationships. And they use social media constantly. Just under half, or 44%, use social media every hour. They have grown up in a world where school shootings are very common. So if you're wondering why I'm bringing up all of these statistics, both positive and negative about Gen Z, the reason it's important to address both the good and the bad of my own generation is because it's the only way we can learn to change. I don't think anyone born between 1995 and 2012 is doomed to conform to every stereotype people create for Gen Z. So I just want to throw that out there. I know that in my own life, I am inspired by many people who are younger than me and who are more mature in their faith than I am. So, however, addressing the statistics of this generation is also important because everyone, no matter their age, is interacting with Gen Z. And if you're listening to this podcast as a Gen Z, don't think the statistics are predictions of your future. So both John and Dr. Castor will address how Gen Z can break free from stereotypes in the last segment. So you both work with Gen Z. What are they like and what defines them? Start with Dr. Castor. Oh, you start with (laughs) me. I see a very very, um, uh, anxious group of people. And they're worried, they're, they are cautious, and yet in a reckless way. <laughs> they, what does that mean? Well, I, I think they're anxious because they, they want to do something, and yet I think what they're trying to accomplish maybe isn't what they're called to do. Hmm. And so there's a mismatch between what the expectations are that are placed on them many times and what they've actually been created to do as people, um, what the Lord has created them to do. Uh, Psalm 139 is absolutely true. Gen Z is wonderfully complex. <laughs> they, they are incredibly wonderfully complex. And uh, many of them have a complex. They're so anxious. Yeah. Um, but, but the Lord wants to free them from that. And, and um, 
so I see a generation that's anxious because maybe the world is wanting them to conform to certain patterns and expectations, mm -hmm. but the Lord wants them to be transformed by the renewing of their mind. Hmm. And maybe these gadgets are addicting their minds and hmm. changing the wiring of their mind to conform to the world. The Lord wants them to be renewed, hmm. transformed by the renewing of their minds, Romans 12. So I think when, when the next generation begins to discover that the Lord wants to do something amazing in their lives, that, the, that God wants to use them to transform this world, that God's calling them out of the mire of society and, and wants them to help redeem society in an amazing way, I think a lot of the anxiety goes away. Hmm. Um, and I, I think that's where the breakthrough is, is coming. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, how about so, you, John? <clears throat> so both, both Ken and I kind of live in two worlds. Um, as a professor, you're teaching Gen Z, you're working with them. And then you're also a speaker at the next conference, so you're in front of large groups of Gen Z sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you interact with them and you grade them, but you also speak to them and interact with them in other ways. Yeah, as a as a pastor as and a pastor, yep, right? pastoral person. Yep. So my two worlds are: I lead the content marketing team at Crown, which is very unusual. We're, as far as I know, we're one of the only colleges that has actual college students who are very well trained, yep. running our social media accounts, taking photo pho uh, photographs, making videos, writing articles that are used for the marketing of the college. So that's mm -hmm. a really unique uh, scenario. And doing a professional job at it, too. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. And, and, and Shiel, you're part of the content marketing team. This, content, this podcast is produced by the content marketing team. So it's really fun. There's 25 students. There's a lot of different personalities. They're all over the spectrum in terms of intelligence on these topics and their excitement and their enthusiasm. And, and that's just a real joy. And, a, and it's really fun to mm -hmm. work with Gen Z. They're, they're really fast thinking. Um, they, they move from one topic to another faster than, I don't know, I, yeah. can, I can even think sometimes. Yeah, John, I call that, so. I call that a wit. There's yeah. a wit to yeah. Gen Z that other right. generations haven't quite had. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then my other world is I still do a column for Inc. Magazine, uh, usually uh, you know many times per month, and I write about Gen Z every once in a while. I write about millennials every once in a while, and every time I write about Gen Z, the same thing happens. And so I'll write an article about how Gen Z don't like baby boomers, or millennials don't like Gen Z, or something like that. And as soon as the article comes out, uh, and, and just to give you a taste for this, there's usually around 100,000, 200,000 people who read it in about one day, uh, which is amazing to me that, that people have the time to read an article like that, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I start getting emails, and they're, they just keep coming in, sometimes 30 or 40 emails right away, and then every wow. hour there's 30 or 40, sometimes up to 50, 60 emails come in every hour after the article comes out. Wow. And they're all complaining about the article. <laughs> and they're, so the people who, the, the millennials don't like Gen Z, Gen Z don't like baby boomers, they don't like millennials, they're all complaining about each other. But the one consistent thing that always happens with Gen Z, every time I write an article about them, is they always express this incredible fear about things mm. and, and the future. And they talk about you know, the debt they're facing and there's no jobs out there. Mm. So I do think that is one big difference between millennial and Gen Z. I think Gen Z are really worried about stuff. They grew up in 
a world where there was these school shootings happening all the time, and there's this debt crisis in America, and mm. you know, there's a uh, not to get political, but there's a there's a crisis in politics in terms of there's just a divide between you know the left and the right that mm -hmm. we've never really seen before, mm -hmm. and and so I think there's just a lot of fear and anxiety with with Gen Z, and that comes through in my writing every time I write about them. Mm. So. Well, yeah, even the term anxiety is something that I, I don't know, and I haven't been around forever to know this, but I, I've seen it used more and more, I feel like, mm. versus mm -hmm. even when I was younger, I didn't hear it as much. But now I hear my sister, Aubrey, who's 12, and she'll be talking about She's it. She's using it already. She's using it all the time. Yeah. And mm. I'm just thinking, oh, wow, does, what does that mean, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the state of Oregon just passed uh, a law for public schools that allow students to take mental health days. So wow. you can have you could be sick to your stomach and you call in and you can be absent and excused from classes. But now you can by law you can call in because you need a mental health break day. And some wow. of that's legitimate because of the anxiety really is producing some horrific circumstances in people's lives where they're not functioning well, where they, right. maybe they get suicidal or they have mm -hmm. some serious depressive disorders. Um, but, but it's true that sometimes we create our own environments as well. And so if we keep telling 12-year-olds mm -hmm. that, oh, anxiety is kind of the normal thing you should be experiencing, right? then 12-year-olds will be experiencing that. So we, we can... We can make some of that come true more and more in people's lives the more we say, hey, this is what you are. You are anxious. You are a fearful right. person. So while John and I are both saying, yes, this is what we're seeing, both of us, we've talked at length about this, both of us actually believe that's not what they were created to experience mm -hmm. and to be like. That's mm -hmm. the world they're in. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we're both also very hopeful what we see in the next generation is, is a frustration with that reality. And it's, it's almost like the good part of the Gen X frustration. And I, I think that Gen Z is going to be able to take it in a good direction. Say, we're not going to destroy everything. We, we actually want to create something great mm -hmm. out of this difficult situation. Mm -hmm. So, and we see a lot of resiliency, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, creativity. And so we love putting college students at Crown. We love putting college students in charge of things and creating things. More and more in my classes, I'm having more hands-on experiences and assignments where the students are the content creators. Hmm. And um, they're ready to run. They, they want somebody to say, hey, I think you can do this, so do it. And, yeah. and I'll help support you and equip you. Mm -hmm. So more than any other generation I've seen, um, this next generation wants to be trusted to lead. Wow, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so so we're both Gen X. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so you're saying that Gen X people just sort of got, the, they, they had this <laughs> angst, and, and they got mad, and, and then they just and, sort of, that's it. And we it. would complain, <laughs> and then we would... We'd say something mean, and then we'd give up. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so Gen Z have that same angst, but they're actually going to do something with it, which is really exciting. That's my. I, I see that in our students, mm -hmm. and and I think a lot of that is because the Lord is has grabbed a hold of their hearts and given them hope. I, I worry a lot about um, 
<laughs> talk about anxiety. I, my, my, my prayer is that our nation would rediscover God's calling in their life so that this next generation can have that motivation and enthusiasm and hopefulness that, that hey, we, we don't have to accept the world the way it is. We can do something wonderful about this. And it doesn't have to be divisive or mean. It can be restorative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a statistic about that too, and I don't know if it's on here necessarily, but I remember researching coming across a lot of articles that would say Gen Z is very interested in um, social issues. Mm-hmm. They're very interested in making the environment better when they can. And there's just a lot of different areas that yeah. they're interested in. So yeah. is that a very new swing, do you think? It's been embedded in every generation, but it's especially heightened in Gen Z. Gen Z has this this moral um, angst within them. Hmm. What's interesting to me is that I think when you have a moral angst that is separated from God, then your moral angst gets directed the wrong way mm. towards the wrong things. Mm. And, and it becomes a harmful, divisive behavior. And so we're seeing a lot of that in our society right now because it's a, it's a moral compass that isn't focused on the true, uh, true north. It's mm. not focused on the, on the right compass mm-hmm. heading. Um, so but those who find God, they, in Gen Z, their moral compass is amazing. And they're, they're ready to fight and advocate for people and for causes that are true to the Lord's heart, mm-hmm. probably in a way that many generations prior to them have not risen up and, and spoken to those issues. So mm-hmm. it's dynamic. There is this concern, I don't know if you've seen this, Ken, where um, churches and missionaries are a little bit worried about, are Gen Z going to give to them down the road here once they start? Because they're just entering the workforce. So, and this gets into the entitlement issue that we're going to talk about later, but if someone is Gen Z and they've just graduated from college and they have their first job, um, if, you're a, if you're in a church, you're a pastor, or my son-in-law is actually from Austria and he's a pastor in Austria, and there's this question about, are Gen Z going to be so entitled that they don't start giving to, to missions boards and to churches. And hmm. um, what I would say is that I've seen that, like you, to your earlier point, point, Ken, that they actually are going to because when they really get on fire for Christ and Christ really starts making a difference in their life, I've seen them go move away from entitlement faster. Mm-hmm. And they just embrace things, and they say, you know what? I'm just going to totally give to this church. I'm going to totally. I'm going to go overseas myself. Mm-hmm. There's a church in Austria. I'm going to go volunteer in that mm-hmm. church in Austria. Mm-hmm. Um, they're go-getters. They're fast thinking, they, and they're relationship builders, and they yeah. do relationship really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so when they're when they're given the opportunity to to identify with something that the Lord has provided an opportunity, they'll they'll dive in. Yeah. Yeah, at the Life Conference uh, this last summer in 2019 down in Orlando, uh, run by the Christian Missionary Alliance, there were 6,000 teenagers there. And it was amazing to see them get excited about uh, what God wanted to do in the world. Because the conference is about, about following God yourself, but it's also a call to mission. Hmm. And um, in fact, on, on one day, they had a... They had a a workshop where students could come and dedicate their lives full time in the future to a, to a career or a pursuit of ministry, 
and there were 400 high schoolers who showed up at that and committed to going full time into ministry. And so I, yeah, John, you're exactly right. They're, they really want to serve others, to serve God and to serve others, to love God, to love their neighbor. And yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I, when you guys are talking, I'm hearing though, okay, so you, you mentioned that they're good at building relationships, mm-hmm. right? They're very good at that. And then we have all of these statistics saying they're on their phones all the time. <laughs> so how do those two go together? Yeah. I guess is what my question is. Yeah, I think I think Gen Z's struggling with a contradiction of who they are. Hmm. And and it's only Jesus who can give them uh, a true calling. So that's that's how they're going to break this okay. contradictory life. And okay. that's that's been true for every generation who's struggled with with their temptations or their their environmental issues around them. Okay. Because um, same with the entitlement issue yeah. and the I'm gonna dig in and give my whole life, you know. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, Gen X was very great at passion. We were a very passionate generation. That was mm-hmm. also our downfall. Um, we were so passionate, we didn't give anybody else a chance, and we got angry about everything. And <laughs> I'm, I'm stereotyping, but um, when a Gen X person is pursuing Jesus, their passion is turned into an incredible uh, asset hmm. to be used for God hmm. to change the world. That's the story of my life. Hmm. Uh, when millennials who are tempted to be, you know, their life is all about me, uh, all about themselves. When they are pursuing Jesus, they learn, oh, my life's actually about somebody else. And I want to give... Millennials are, are very dedicated parents, we're finding. They really care about their kids. The mm. irony is that when they were kids, they wanted everything to be about them. But millennials are, are hyper-sensitive to their kids' needs, right? Mm. So it's, it's when the Lord does something in somebody's life, uh, their weaknesses often are turned into strengths. And that's what I'd love to see with Gen Z. Mm. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what links uh, Ken and I, because I'm in marketing, you're a professor, usually we, we get along pretty good, but I mean, we're in different <laughs> worlds, you know. And, and, but that's what links us, is that I work with students, and uh, we're trying to set them well, only Christ can set them free, but we're trying to point the direction to this is how you can get kind of this springboard into a new reality mm-hmm. outside of what you're in now. Um, you mentioned entitlement, so that's our topic for today. And I really think the, you know, this is a podcast, so I'm holding my phone right now, so you can't see this on a podcast, but... It's true, he is. It, it, He's not, I do have an iPhone. It's an iPhone 10. It's pretty nice. Um, oh, wow. But... <laughs> Every time, so I'm talking directly to the listeners right now, and, and this podcast is intended for high schoolers, people who are interested in Crown, thinking about Crown. So I'm talking directly to you. Every time you pull out your phone, think of it as this device that's like this um, entitlement box, you know. And every time you look at your mm. phone, it's about you. And, and there's this show on Netflix mm. called Black Mirror. I don't recommend it. It's kind of edgy. <laughs> But it's referring to the what the phone looks like yeah. when it's off, a black mirror. And it's a showing a reflection of you. 
So, of course, it's all about entitlement. Mm -hmm. Your phone is a very personal moment just to have me time, you mm -hmm. know, with you and, and Apple. So, <laughs> it's the word selfies. Yeah. yeah, this generation yeah. Has, has grown in a world of selfies. So you go somewhere, there's a beautiful landscape, and you've got to insert your own face in the picture. <laughs> That's a selfie environment. I have a friend who, who says that he's not going to take any more selfies in his life. He's going to take other fees. <laughs> so other his fees. pictures are always going to include somebody else's face huh. in it um, because he wants to reorient his life uh, towards others. I like that. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Right now, everybody's talking about the Face app. Have you used the Face app? Yeah, except yeah. then I realized the uh, the Russians are stealing all of my right, information. Exactly. Yeah, there so is, I, there is I, that. Wait, what is I this? got rid of it. So, <laughs> so it's this app where, you, and, and it's everybody's talking about it right now. But it shows you what you're going to look like when you're old, and uh, then you what? can also see what you what you look like when you're young. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought, you know. I, I actually just posted about this on Twitter. I don't really need. I have the. I have to mow the lawn, so I don't have any interest in doing this app. I'm already old. I don't need to see what I look like <laughs> when I'm when I'm gonna be old. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's just another entitlement app. It, it's sort of like it's all about me. It's all about what am I gonna look like when I'm old? You know, what am I gonna look like when I'm young? Uh, there's. You can also see what you look like as a different gender, which is kind of weird. Um, but these apps just really catch on with people because of the fact that it's like just more about me, you know. Hmm. So this story is about Esau and Jacob and their birthright. Uh, both of them were teenagers at the time. Esau, the firstborn, is hungry and decides to exchange his birthright for a bowl of soup. Genesis twenty-five twenty-nine through 34 says, Once Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is my birthright is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Then Jacob tricked his father into blessing him and receiving the birthright, even though he is not the firstborn, spelled out in Genesis 27. The story seems to be about immediate satisfaction and getting what you want now rather than later. Do you guys see any parallels to Gen Z with this story? Yeah, so <clears throat> this is what I call the Netflix problem. And uh, so it, it's kind of like... Um, you can watch anything you want on Netflix, and you can watch the whole series. Um, what I find kind of interesting about Gen Z, sometimes I'm uh, just sitting on the couch watching my, my daughter's Gen Z and, and my son's Gen Z, and when they're watching Netflix, sometimes they'll, so they have access to every episode in a series, and they could watch each one, you know, contiguously, but sometimes they just get bored and they fast forward through one, and then they go to the next one, and they mm -hmm. fast forward through that one. And I think now is actually like not fast enough for them, if that makes sense, mm. uh, that they actually want to speed up even now and, and move on to the next episode. And I've, I don't know if you've seen this, Ken, where, where it's almost like they'll go on a website for like three seconds and that's not entertaining enough. It's not interesting enough. So it's on to the next one. 
if you've ever watched a Gen Z, and I, and I hope I'm not offending anybody, this is just a reality of what they do. I mean, it's just if you watch them or spend any time with someone in this age group, they're flipping from one app to another so fast mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, we, don't, we can't even keep up with them. So, Yeah, which, which speaks to how amazing their mind is that their mind is moving that rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, it also speaks to how slow our minds are. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> right, yeah. right. But it, but it, um, right. The brain development that that need for the uh, stimulus, that that immediate stimulus. It's kind of like an addiction. Mm -hmm. I need this. I need this. I need this. And and it's creating some habits and behaviors that aren't healthy. Mm -hmm. um, even as they're creating minds that are spectacularly quick. So again, there's this need for the Lord to come in and, and give us a renewing of the minds. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, the story of Jacob and Esau is fascinating because both brothers want something that isn't theirs now, right? Mm -hmm. Esau is hungry mm -hmm. and he wants food now. It's too bad he wasn't alive today. He could have instantly microwaved something or, or gone to some <laughs> fast food place. Um, but he was so hungry, he would have complained even even today about mm -hmm. the, you know, Jimmy John's wasn't freaky fast enough for Esau. <laughs> so he he wants it now. And Jacob, his his name means deceiver. Mm. And Jacob wants Esau. Esau was first born by just a few minutes, right? And Jacob has always felt entitled. Well, that should be mine. And so he gets this moment. He seizes this moment. I mean, look at his witty mind here. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll trick my brother and I'll, I'll get this. Even though it's not mine, I'm going to get it from him. And he, he uses Esau's weakness of immediate demand to get his own immediate demand of the, of the rights that aren't his, right? Mm -hmm. it's, this, it's this incredible moment. And then later on, Jacob again deceives his dad and makes Isaac articulate out loud that, yes, the blessing that was for Esau is on you. And so Jacob, this deceiver, steals what he felt entitled to. He goes out and just gets it. Um, Esau, in his demand for immediacy, just gives it all up. I've seen a lot of teenagers do this. They get, they're like Esau, and they get in a bind. They like need something, and they're frustrated, and their mind is, is mm. moving so rapidly, they can't even keep up with it. And they're like, fine, I don't care about the consequence. I just want this. Fine, I'll just I'll destroy everything around me and all of my relationships just so right now I can have peace. Or, or a lot of a lot of students, fine, I, I you know I'll binge watch all of these shows on Netflix right now, even though I have an assignment due in the morning. I don't care. I'll give I'll give up my grade. I just want to watch this Stranger Things episode or play mm -hmm. Fortnite all night long. Mm -hmm. and, and I wish they I wish they knew what was happening to. You know, there's been a lot of studies about what happens when they're watching Netflix, when they're playing a video game like Fortnite, that there's a dopamine hit every mm -hmm. time you succeed. It's micro uh, success, basically, mm -hmm. and reward. Um, but which, I, which creates a microaggression sort of lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, mm. I, but I think that's true of everyone, and mm -hmm. I use my phone, and I, I've even played Fortnite, believe it or not, so... <laughs> Uh, but I but I think those dopamine hits are coming fast and furious fast, yeah. with Gen Z, and, and that's kind of the concern, you know. So. Yeah. So it was true in Esau's life, and it was true in Jacob's life. Now fast forward 
thousands of years and we're in this hyper intensive dopamine hit mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. and uh we we all need the lord um can i offer some hope in that yeah from jacob and esau's story yes the lord gave jacob the nickname israel and israel means one who struggles with god so mm-hmm. the lord wanted jacob to move from a de- being a deceiving person who got what he wanted and felt entitled to, to move towards a person who struggled with God. Mm. And that's the story of Jacob's life. Um, Jacob had to learn how to struggle with the Lord. And I, I think that's going to be the calling on this current generation. They, they can be deceivers, or they can be Esau. His nickname is Edom, which means red. He wanted the red stew right now. <laughs> so I think, I think there's a great parallel to this current generation. I want, I want what I want right now, or you know what, I'm going to trick people to get what I want right now. That maybe describes the, the scary side of Gen Z, but the Lord says, but I'm not giving up on you guys, and I want you to struggle with me, and I want you to walk with me. I want to wrestle with you. That's the story of Jacob. And I'm going to mm. give you a glimpse. I'm going to give you a, a glimpse of what life can be if you're right with me. Um, what's fascinating about Jacob is that the... And Esau, both the Lord, the Lord put struggle ahead in their lives. Jacob um, fell in love with Rachel, and then Jacob had to wait years. In fact, Jacob got deceived himself. <laughs> it's a really <laughs> weird story. He gets deceived and tricked into marrying another woman, Leah, and 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 Jacob waited seven years to kind of marry Rachel, and then. He had to wait years and years and years to have any kids with Rachel. And, and Jacob had to learn, and I don't know if he ever really did, but he had to learn to struggle with a life with God. And that's, that's mm-hmm. what Gen Z is going to have to go through. And if they do, the Lord's got some good things in store. Yeah. So you're saying the struggle is real? The struggle is real. <laughs> but that's a good thing because it, it produces grit in their soul, and I think that's something that that Gen X rejected. It's something that millennials didn't know was available to them, and um, I think I think Gen Z is going to have to pursue grit of mm-hmm. soul. Right. Hmm. All right. Let's move on to a much more positive side of Gen Z. You both think they have a lot of promise and that they can avoid the trap of entitlement. So, uh, tell us first, how do they break free? You know this this whole idea of the of of being set free from this stuff. Um, <clears throat> so a little bit of backstory about me. I'm, I I have four kids. Uh, one is gonna be thirty this November. I have a son-in-law. I have three grandkids. Uh, my second oldest daughter went to. Yeah, Crown. you really didn't need that old face app. Yeah, that's right. You're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty much just um, uh, face app is in the mirror you know, right. in my bathroom it's, so yeah, you didn't have to download anything <laughs> uh so and then my son is uh my son uh josh and my daughter katie are both gen z but my uh oldest two daughters are millennials and mm. so i've taken it sort of as the role of a of a father and a father-in-law my two oldest daughters are married so i have two son-in-laws to be the person that tries to show how do you get set free from, uh, you know, addiction to your phone, uh, video games, all these kinds of things, 
And, um, you know, uh, David Crowder had a comment that I love. I've repeated many, many times now, it's mostly to my son because he's kind of into music. Uh, if you if you want to break free from your phone, do something really cool, and and so and and, and that that works. Except for you, kind of have to add this part about do something cool for Christ, and I think that's ultimately the release from this trap of the dopamine mm. hits mm -hmm. and the phone and the black mirror and and all these things. And and that's mm. so negative. It's like, yeah, you're on your phone for eight hours a day, and then you spend two hours on Netflix. That's kind of a problem, you know? <laughs> but to get released from it, do something cool for Christ. Mm -hmm. hmm. And and that will also solve all this entitlement problem. Mm -hmm. um, it's amazing what happens when, you know, you travel overseas, or you volunteer at a church, or you go do some uh, witnessing on a street corner or something like that, mm -hmm. you learn pretty quickly that it's not about you. Mm -hmm. And you get released from it pretty mm -hmm. quickly, too. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's one of the reasons I love working at Crown. Uh, this will be my 10th year starting this fall. I'm excited about wow. that. One of the reasons I love working here is that this is this is a place where the next generation is set free from those restraints that are, that are tr entrapping them. Um, they're learning how to run the race without the entrapments. Mm -hmm. And uh, every class time, every interaction with chapel and with mentors on campus, our, our students are not coddled. They're, they're believed in because we believe in what Christ can do in somebody's life. Mm -hmm. And so we are, we are challenging young people to be the shapers and changers of culture in the years ahead. And it's such a delight to be a part of that, isn't it, John? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's such a privilege um, to be a part of what the Lord is orchestrating. And so, Shiel, being with students like you who are, who are um, taking initiative to mm -hmm. stand in this world rooted in Christ and then, and then changing the world around you is such an incredible um, honor, honoring privilege to be a part of. So, Thanks, Dr. Yeah, Caster. I yeah. mean, it's a privilege to be here at Crown, like yeah. you're saying, surrounded by professors who believe in you mm -hmm. and just learning from them has been amazing. So Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that because uh, I think a really good mentor doesn't coddle the mm. next generation. And so I would encourage anybody who's listening, as you think about the Gen Z people in your life, whether it's your peers, your friends, or your your own students, or, or people in your church or your community, um, they're sick and tired of being coddled. Even if that's what they're tempted to go towards. That's true. They're sick and tired of being coddled. Yeah. And they really want people to believe in them. And and when an older person says, I see something in you, I think you can break out of this. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. speaking to you. I think Gen yeah. Z wants to flourish. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot. Mm -hmm. There's truth in that when somebody can look you in the eye and say, you've got something in you. Mm. I want to I wanna free you out of this, this muddy mess of a trap of entitlement. Mm. Yeah, that's so exciting. So um, why do you think Gen Z has so much promise? Yeah, we, I mean, we talked about this earlier. They're, they're so fast thinking. Um, I guess I'd, I'd have to say um, back to my earlier comment about my kids. And so I'm, I'm just going to brag about one in particular. Uh, my son, Josh, has, uh, you know, 
he's gone through some ups and downs. He's done ministry in a church. He's done internships. But he just recently kind of found his calling, which is working at a camp. And he's going to be actually at Trout Lake Camp uh, up by Bemidji starting in the fall. And I think with him, the the release from for him was really just recognizing um, what are his own giftings, how did God really make him, and, and what is he good at and what is he not good at. And I think what you were saying earlier, Ken, is really true, that that's the struggle that comes in. And maybe it takes a little bit longer for some people. Um, but my advice to people when, when they want to try to figure out you know what? What are what is their promise? What do mm. they? What are they good at? What are they talented at? Is to kind of go th- go ahead and struggle with that. Mm. Um, but my son Josh really re- recognized that that he needed to just sort of embrace that and say, um, I'm really good with people. Uh, I'm really good at ministry. I'm really good at sharing my faith. And and he found. I think he's found his calling. Um, but he had to struggle through it for a few years first. So. Mm. Um, what what have you seen? I love their creative zeal. So I don't think mm. that Gen Z wants everything actually to be easy for them. I think they want things to be right and good and purposeful and meaningful. But in many ways, I think they're going to have to create that path for themselves because mm. the generations before them aren't making it easy for them. Uh, <laughs> that's the irony. The generations before them have made it so easy for them that <laughs> their life is not easy. So um, mm-hmm. they're going to have to kind of create a new path, break the mold a little bit. And technology, too. Yes. Hasn't made it any easier. No, the ease uh, of technology you know. hasn't made life easier. Mm-hmm. That's so ironic. Um, <laughs> but it has made them into very sharp, witty people. Um the Lord can use that sharp wit to do some amazing things. So I'm really excited about that. Mm. I guess I'd have to say, too, to the, to the listeners to, uh, of the podcast is to find a mentor who can help you find your promise kind of within yourself. Mm. Um, Gen Z tend to be kind of like, I'm just going to do it myself, you know, me and my phone. Um, but if you find a mentor, so my, my main job, and I'm sure this is your main job too, Ken, at Crown, is to kind of guide people into finding their promise, mm-hmm. find what they're good at. Um, that's not easy. Um, I've had a few students where it's like, you're going down one path, it's the wrong path for you. And, and I'm here and I'm observing everything that's going on and I can tell that this is not going to end well for you. And so then I step in and I try to say, hey, what about this? Mm-hmm. This is a different direction for you. Um, now, to turn the tables back to you, Shayel, I, I feel like you've found a good calling in terms of writing and communicating. Um, I guess what advice would you have? So, so you're someone who's kind of found your promise, right? So what would you, <laughs> say, what would you say to listeners as far as ah. the struggle to find that? What helped you? Gosh, I don't know about that because I, I <laughs> still don't, you know, know for You're sure. Not 100% I'm not 100%. Sure. Per- uh, but I know for sure when I was back in high school, I hated public speaking so much and I just hated it. And I didn't really like writing. I just thought, hmm. oh, I, I write for school, papers, you know, this is the norm. So I didn't start out really passionate about it until later in high school um 
So, and part of it had to do with my writing teacher in high school who just inspired me a ton with writing and stuff. So for me, I think it was really finding people who are older than me, who Mm -hmm. I just saw and thought, wow, that, that person is really Mm. just on fire for what they're doing. And they're so passionate Mm -hmm. and I want to somehow learn to be like that. And I want Mm -hmm. to go that direction. So, I mean, for me, it was, I guess, like you're saying, a mentor or someone who you can look up to who's maybe a lot of steps ahead, but, Mm -hmm. um, just someone that can help pour in your, into your life. Yeah. And to do that, you do have to look up from the phone and from Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, A little bit. And then right back. (laughs) Thank you both so much for being here on the Crown Insider Podcast. Loved it. Thank you so much, Shail. Thanks for having us. It's exciting to hear that Gen Z won't be lost, that they are not as selfish as everyone thinks. God has a great plan for their lives and there is hope for this generation. Thank you all for listening. Are you a communist? What's with that Moscow mug? Oh yeah. It was it was in the break room for Have like you seen two Stranger years. Things? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, not the third season. Oh, just okay. one and two. All right. So Wow, you guys watched that? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I had to. It's kind of for kids. It's because I need to understand the current generation. Oh, I gave by up. By watching a show about the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> the current interpretation of the 1980s. And what they like. <laughs>